Let's just begin with prayer. Holy Father, I thank you for this evening and thank you for your word. I pray that your spirit would be with us and that (coughs) you would teach us and instruct us in your holy word that our confidence might be in you uh, and in in your son, uh, the the new David, the greater David, uh, the one who lives and reigns uh, forever and uh, we thank you, thank you for your son, and pray that this would be uh, all to your honor and glory. And we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. All right, so for the last couple of weeks or so, we've been back in Isaiah. It was actually picking up our study maybe a couple months or so ago, uh, or or even a little longer, looking at the prophecy uh, that the uh, the, uh, Alma has conceived and is bearing a son, and she'll call his name Immanuel, uh, God God with us. And we were looking at that. And so we worked through... uh, well, on, on this uh, outline, as uh, Paul D. Wagner has it, uh, the Isaiah, uh, or Isaianic, a lot of times in Britain and such, they'll say uh, Isaiah, uh, the Isaiah memoir, uh, chapters 6 through chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, and in this section, you have Yahweh as king uh, in the year that King Ahaz died. Uh, I saw... Yahweh high and lifted up uh, on his throne and he sees him in the temple, uh, Isaiah and this is Isaiah's uh, commissioning and King Uzziah died around around 740 uh, BC and within that year uh, Isaiah was uh, commissioned and there uh, after his commissioning he's sent to King Ahaz uh, Yahweh will give him uh, two children as signs. Uh, Isaiah says that uh, I uh, and the children whom Yahweh has given me are signs and portents uh, from uh, Yahweh of hosts. Uh, and his first son, Sha'ar Yashuv, uh, a remnant shall return. And he went to, to King Ahaz uh, because of uh, the threat of, of the northern kingdom, uh, Israel or uh, Ephraim, because of the most prominent uh, tribe. Uh, and then uh, the king of uh, Aram, a uh, resident of Damascus, were threatening uh, King Ahaz. Uh, they were uh, seeking to uh, set up their king, uh, Tabeel, on the throne. Uh, and probably to get the southern kingdom, uh, Judah, with the Davidic line, to get them to join their coalition against the Assyrian menace, which was resurgent uh, and quite quickly over time uh, taking over uh, cities and kings and countries uh, coming coming south to the, the land of Israel. And so then to, to King Ahaz, uh, he gave the sign, uh, Ahaz, or offered a sign. Ahaz rejected it uh, because Ahaz was already didn't believe in Yahweh and was committed to the Assyrians uh, for his uh, safety. 
And then uh, you begin to see the unfolding of this sign, uh, and there are two fulfillments. Uh, first, with Isaiah's son, or his second son, my hair shall all hashbaz, uh, kind of like Hosea. Hosea had two sons and a daughter uh, who, were, who were signs. Uh, no mercy, not my people, and not beloved. Uh, and then my hair shall all hashbaz, my hair shall all hurries, booty, uh, hashbaz, uh, hastens, spoil, something along, along those lines. Uh, and so you begin to see that in chapter 8, the sign that's going to unfold uh, in, within a few short, short years. And the, uh, the menace of the Arameans uh, from about 735 uh, B.C., uh, at the time when he confronted King Ahaz, uh, the Assyrians uh, would would come and they would strike down the uh, the, the west coast along the, the Mediterranean, along uh, Israel, uh, and uh, subdue the coast. Uh, then in around 733, I believe it was, uh, they struck again from the north and uh, conquered and deported uh, many of the northern tribes in the region of uh, Galilee, uh, like Zebulun and Naphtali, uh, and also to the, the east with Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. And then in 732 BC, they struck the Assyrian or the, the Aramean capital, Damascus, and killed Rezin. Uh, they, they removed him, uh, and uh, the king uh, Pekah, the son of Rem- Remaliah, uh, the king of of Israel, the northern kingdom at that time, uh, he was assassinated by Hosea. And so the threat was removed. But then as we went into chapter uh, chapter 9 through maybe verse 6 or 7, the Hebrew, Hebrew and the English are each, uh, they disagree by one verse. Uh, it then looks forward to another son, to, to us, a son is born to us, a child is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and he shall be called a wonder, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, the one who will live and reign forever. Uh, God's faithfulness to David will not be made null and void, despite this evil, wicked king Ahaz, who is one of the most wicked kings in the Davidic line, uh, Throughout the entire Davidic line, all 21 kings, if you include uh, Manasseh uh, at, the, at the end. And so we had stayed through this, but then we want to take a look at the, the bigger picture. And there are a lot of commentaries and such. I, I hadn't been fully satisfied with uh, some of the, the outlines, how the whole picture uh, fit, fit together. And so I thought this outline by Paul D. Wagner uh, really captured uh, captured a lot, and he puts it in a chiastic structure, where in uh, at the at the beginning of it, so uh, let's see, we we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven uh, parts to this uh, to this structure, and at the beginning and the end, it starts with a song of judgment. Uh, upon uh, the nation, uh, upon uh, Judah and Jerusalem, 
uh, a song of judgment because of their rebellion uh, against, uh, against Yahweh. It's the, the vineyard, where even at the start, I just wanted to clarify something there anyway. Just go to uh, Isaiah 5. It said kind of casually, maybe Isaiah speaking first, but this is a this is an part of an oracle uh, from from God uh, for His people, and so I think when you begin, it starts ambiguous. Where okay, here's a message that God has given to Isaiah, and at first we don't know who is this beloved and who's his vineyard. And part of it's just to raise expectation in, in his hearers. When he proclaimed this to, to them, if you, you imagine Isaiah, uh, maybe outside the, the city gate, outside of Jerusalem, proclaiming these things uh, to, uh, to the people, uh, whether the, the palace and uh, the, the city. And so at first it raises the question, who's this beloved and who's his vineyard? And, and then it's gradually revealed as you go through uh, the... Uh, the, the song. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O oh, inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, Judge between me and my vineyard. It's going to be revealed. <laughs> Yahweh is speaking. He's proclaiming this through his, through his prophet. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? Which you'd not <laughs> expect it to do. It's not a very productive uh, vineyard. And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of Yahweh of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. And so they're filled with wickedness. And even in, for instance, Deuteronomy 29, with the curses, you have the blessings and then you have the curses that come upon Israel. He speaks to them and warns them that there, uh, that among them there would not uh, arise a rotten fruit that would bear rotten fruit from, from the people. Uh, wickedness and evil deeds like all the nations around them so that the curses would come upon them uh, instead, of, instead of a blessing. But then we saw that we begin with this, this song of judgment, but at the end of this section, at the, the end of, uh, in chapter 12, it will end with the song of thanksgiving or salvation. God begins with judgment on his people, 
but it's ultimately going to turn to their, uh, their salvation. And we'll be looking at, at that tonight. But then following the Song of Judgment, uh, we have uh, six woes pronounced upon the wicked, as uh, Paul, Paul Wagner has. And this is some of the important stuff that I thought some of the commentaries maybe didn't fully take into account. Some of this, this repetition of woes and such and how the, they fit like into the bigger picture. And so you, you have these six woes uh, pronounced upon the, the wicked uh, right in a row, followed by Paul Wagner has an uplifted hand oracle culminating with the destruction by Assyria or an outstretched hand as God stretches out his hand in judgment against his people bringing the Assyrians. And actually there are two outstretched hands. Uh, The first, it says that Yahweh, well, we can even look. See, following the woes, uh, down to 2024, 20, and then uh, we'll see into 25. Therefore, as the tongue of fire devours the stubble, and as dry grass sinks down in the flame, so their root will be as rottenness, and their blossom go up like dust. For they have rejected the law of Yahweh of hosts, and have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, the anger of Yahweh was kindled against his people, and he stretched out his hand against them and struck them, and the mountains quaked, and their corpses were as refuse in the midst of the streets. For all this, his anger has not turned away, and his hand is stretched out still. So he stretches out his hand initially in judgment, but still stretched out. He's not done judging this wicked people. And then you see that the, the Assyrians uh, begin to come. Uh, he will raise a signal for the nations far away and whistle for them from the ends of the earth. And behold, quickly, speedily they come. None is weary, none stumbles, none slumbers or sleeps. Not a waistband is loose, not a sandal strap broken. Their arrows are sharpened. goes on to talk about the Assyrians coming and Yahweh basically prospering their way as they come in judgment on, on Israel to the north, about Judah and Jerusalem. The spotlight's kind of on Judah and Jerusalem uh, in this section. And then we have the Isaiah memoir, as he calls it, Isaiah's uh, commissioning. Uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Uh, he goes on to, to speak about you, you have the seraphim crying out, Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And he commissions uh, Isaiah as he makes atonement, where you even you have two words for woe, uh, hoy, and then you have oi. And some, sometimes they'll have, they'll try, try and bring it through different ways. Sometimes they'll have ah, uh, like, uh, ah, Lord, or woe, uh, or oh. Uh, there, there are different ways that translations try and bring it out. But you have, you have six woes, uh, hoi, uh, that were pronounced on Judah and Jerusalem and uh, their leadership and the people. Uh, but then you have an oi, 
or maybe a seventh, on Isaiah's own lips. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the Lord Yahweh of hosts. And God makes atonement for him and cleanses his lips so that he can proclaim God's word, what the people do not know. And he commissions him, and it's really, he's really a, a prophet of judgment, by and large. Not that he doesn't preach salvation, but his preaching hardens uh, the people. Uh, it's meant to harden them. Uh, and let's just look through uh, verse or, uh, verse 8. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people. So here's Isaiah's message. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Lest they see. Oh, we don't want that. Not for this wicked, evil people who have rebelled uh, against me. It's God's judgment of judicial hardening on the people, giving them over to their own sinful, evil, wicked desires. In much of Jesus' own preaching, part of why he preached in parables, he draws, he draws from these very, very verses. For those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Only, only by, by the Spirit. And it, it both challenges the hearers, but if left to their own sinful hearts, they'll harden them and they'll reject the message. And so, that's his message. Verse 11, Then I said, How long, O Lord, do I have to preach this to this people? And he said, Until cities lie in waste without inhabitant and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and Yahweh removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains. When it is felled, the holy seed is its stump. And there you have remnant theology, which is all throughout Isaiah. Uh, he's already drawn on that in chapter 1 and uh, beginning of ch chapter 2 and 4, looking to the, the future, his redemption. But within this remnant, you'll both see where Israel's often spoken of, uh, even like in Deuteronomy, for instance, uh, but in the Davidic covenant in many places, kind of going back to the garden, as Yahweh's pleasant planting. Uh, you'll, you'll speak about their root, that he will root them in the land, uh, that they will bear fruit. Uh, and so he uses all of these elements like root and branch and uh, shoot, which are elements used throughout Isaiah and the Bible, often for Israel and for the remnant uh, in bearing, uh, bearing good fruit by circumcised hearts and by his spirit. But we'll also see that it's used for uh, Davidic heir and even the, the greater uh, David. Just go to uh, chapter 9. So after Ahaz uh, rejected the message, 
King Ahaz, uh, the father of Hezekiah. And uh, Isaiah pointed to the, uh, the first sign in his, his son, Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Uh, he and his sign, or sons are signs important. So Sha'ar Yeshuv was, uh, was the first, and then Maher Shalal Hashbaz. But he looks forward to that when the people are in darkness, uh, just look at uh, verse tw- or, uh, chapter 8, verse 20. To the teaching and to the testimony. And so he'll draw in scripture, but the message that he was to proclaim the sign of his son and that he was to write down, they're to trust God's word that he gave through his prophet. And so they look to necromancers, they look to mediums, they look to diviners, people that, that will look anywhere, anywhere but Yahweh anywhere but their their god and so uh isaiah's uh instructed by god uh to uh to the teaching and to the testimony if they will not speak according to this word it is because they have no don they will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry and when they are hungry they will be enraged and when uh enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness, both in the darkness and blindness, because they will not receive and believe God's word. Uh, They have no light of his word and judgment comes upon them from the Assyrian people. Uh, And first upon the northern tribes in the region of Galilee. But then we see a future second greater uh, fulfillment of the uh, the, the Alma and the, the son who is to come. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former times he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And the way of the sea, that was the international roadway or highway that they'd travel on, whether walking or by horse, uh, that they would travel on from the north, uh, the region of Mesopotamia, land between the rivers, with all these great empires like the uh, Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Medo-Persians throughout throughout history. But then traveling south near the Sea of Galilee uh, with the the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali and then west along the the coast of the Mediterranean, uh, western western Israel where the, the Philistines were for a long time. It would go all the way down to Egypt. And so this is where they first came in judgment, in darkness upon the people. But light has dawned upon them, looking to the future when salvation will come. And Isaiah, he keeps going back and forth between future salvation, uh, the future when Yahweh of hosts dwells on Mount Zion and it's exalted above all the mountains and uh, the peoples and nations come streaming uh, to learn from Yahweh to learn from his his wise and redeemed people. But then looking to the present time, which is dark 
in bleak, it looks very much the opposite. And so the people, uh, verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Now, they're pictured as dividing the spoil. Mahir Shalal, Hashbaz, uh, some have like quick to the booty, swift to the plunder. Now they're the ones who, who are joyous. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Gideon, uh, the, the judge in the Midianites. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For, here's the ultimate reason. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called a Wonder Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of Yahweh of hosts will do this. And these are names that are given to Yahweh himself. And now sometimes the language of a child is born, a son is given. He shall be to me as a son and I shall be to him as a father. Uh, With Solomon uh, and with, by extension, the offspring, the progeny of David that follow. Uh, He kept a, a, a light or a lantern for David where with the northern kingdom, once they separated you go through about as many as 10 different lines, and uh, many of them were only one person. Uh, they, they went through many, many different kings. But for David, uh, unlike, unlike Saul, uh, when, uh, when David's offspring sin, he'll discipline them with uh, uh, the, the rod of men and with the strokes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love I will not take from him as I did from Saul. Steve Carson says, Saul, he didn't even get to stage two. Now, uh, his, his, his son, uh, Ishbal, uh, or uh, some pointed at Ishbal, man of the Lord, uh, or uh, maybe got repointed uh, perhaps by scribes Ish uh, Boshet, a uh, man of shame, <laughs> um, because they, the name Baal uh, became very controversial. It, used, it just meant Lord, Master. You see it in Isaiah 1 too, but uh, you had the foreign peoples who worshipped what they, they called Baal. But sometimes it's, it, it can be used like Psalm 2 and such uh, against whom the nations rage. Uh, and y- Yahweh says that he has set his king uh, on Mount Zion. Uh, you, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And so it can be used for the inauguration of a Davidic king uh, to, to be one who's a son, as a son would, uh, is Yahweh's king, he's the ultimate king, as a son would reign on his father's throne and to have an inheritance uh, with his people and to shepherd and rule over his people in justice and righteousness. But here, because of the, the prophecy that comes before, we also see that there's a whole lot more going on 
Uh, and just as it said in 2 Samuel 7, uh, that your throne, your house, your kingdom shall be forever. That's what extends it far beyond Solomon. And if David, who is a man after God's own heart, God's promises in creation blessing was not consummated with David, a man after God's own heart. And it was not consummated. Uh, you, you have partial fulfillment. You see, you see the language of blessing and such and rule and tribute. But if it was not consummated with Solomon, I mean, David sinned with Bathsheba and brought, it brought great hardship upon his family, upon the, upon the nation, even though ultimately he was a believer and God, God uh, would redeem him and he atoned for him. But then Solomon, he, he was called, I think it was Jedediah or Yedediah. God named him Beloved of Yahweh. Beloved of Yahweh. He named him just like a father would name a son. If the beloved of Yahweh and the wisest man who ever lived, I mean, come on, the wisest man who ever lived, if anyone's going to fulfill all the blessings and the promises to the patriarchs, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, for David, it would be the wisest man who ever lived. It'd have to be. But he sinned. He sinned, and the kingdom with his son that followed was divided. And so this looks forward uh, to a son and these names that are all used for, for Yahweh in the book of Isaiah. Wonder Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's the one who lives and reigns forever. And so it looks to this, this great future reign. And now there's certain language as Isaiah unfolds these things that you'll see with Hezekiah that God preserves the Davidic dynasty. Uh, he preserves uh, a remnant. Uh, and even with Hezekiah, Hezekiah, humanly speaking, he's one of the good guys. He was a believer in Yahweh. He, he was a, a, a righteous king, humanly speaking. He was a sinner. Uh, but unlike his father Ahaz, uh, when the threat came and Ahaz was given two signs, uh, Sha'ar Yashuv and Maher Shalal Hashbaz, Isaiah's uh, sons, and, and Isaiah, Hezekiah told the, the people, don't speak, be silent, don't speak uh, to the general, basically, of the Assyrian king. He told the people to trust uh, in, uh, in Yahweh, uh, and he's actually given uh, two different, uh, different signs uh, throughout that section, and he trusts Yahweh. Uh, in chapters 36 through 30, uh, 39, uh, unlike his father, Father Ahaz. And so he's very much in the line of David uh, and his, his later descendant, Josiah. But he was, he was also a sinner. And you see, after the second sign where he believed, he then asks for another sign. <laughs> well, what will be the sign that will go up to the Lord's temple? And then uh, in the following chapter, it looks back to when the king of Babylon came and he showed all of the gold, all of the treasures in his house, in the temple. There is nothing he did not show him. Trying to, to flatter and impress uh, impress uh, this this king. And this was before the Assyrians came. Uh, there, were, there were weak points 
And so he stumbled uh, a couple times as, as well, as Isaiah shows. Uh, and as uh, one commentator, maybe John Oswald, uh, just spoke about, shows the limitations of human faith, uh, even with, humanly speaking, a, a righteous uh, Davidic king, because he, he was a believer. Uh, he trusted in, in Yahweh. And so some of these elements you'll see preserved, if you read through, in their own day. Uh, these, these blessings, these promises uh, for, for David and such, but far, far, far from, from meeting their fullness in consummation. And that's very important for understanding uh, just the various prophecies and such is the word expectation. <clears throat> Where you'll see expectations partially fulfilled, but, never, but not filled to the full. Uh, they're waiting to the future, and only Yahweh can fulfill them, uh, and only the God-man uh, who, who comes and reigns. And then in this section, we'll, we'll only be able to just touch on it uh, with the, the outline, because we, we went through it in detail. Following uh, this uh, Isaiah uh, memoir, uh, you have, uh, as uh, Wagner puts it, four uplifted hand oracles, or four outstretched uh, hands. His hand is stretched out still. It'll occur four more times, and before the very, the very last one, which would be a total of six, with the previous two, uh, in the previous section, he, right before the last one, he talks about how the leaders uh, stretch out or, or turn away uh, the, the people and don't give them justice, like widows and orphans. Probably so a seventh falls right before the judgment of the Assyrians, which will bring judgment on Judah and Jerusalem, his final judgment in turn to the Assyrians' own destruction by the end. And so it's the very last, uh, last one. And there are also, actually, he has a woe, but there are, uh, there are uh, two, uh, two woes pronounced uh, upon, or, or uh, pronounced as well. And just look at, see, at the end of uh, chapter, chapter 9, going into 10. And so here we, we have the woes begin again. So we've had... Six woes uh, in chapter 5. Now we have a seventh. Uh, and this is the, the final woe upon, and here the, the judgments have been focusing on the northern tribe now, uh, Israel especially. So here's the final woe upon, upon uh, Israel or Ephraim. Woe to those who decree iniquitous decrees and the writers who keep writing oppression to turn aside the needy from justice and to rob the poor of my people of their right, that widows may be their spoil and that they may make the fatherless their prey. What will you do on the day of punishment in the ruin that will come from afar? To whom will you flee for help and where will you leave your wealth? Nothing remains but to crouch among the prisoners or fall among the slain. For all this, his anger has not turned away and his hand is stretched out still so sixth time his hand is stretched out still but right before it he uses turn away same the same word is uh, stretch out probably have final and seventh a lot of times they'll layer these uh, seven 
for completion or fullness, this will be the last time his hand is stretched out in judgment and he'll turn away from Judah and Jerusalem, but then he'll turn to the Assyrians' own destruction, uh, the, the rod that he used, the instrument to bring judgment upon uh, his people. And then, Ah Assyria, or Woe Assyria, same word, Hoi, which is the eighth, but you have, uh, you actually have two more, uh, two more woes. I believe it's in chapter, chapter one, but leading up to chapter five. And it may be as he's layering his themes, and we'll see uh, themes of the Exodus, uh, bringing them out of Egypt in salvation, bringing judgment upon the Egyptians. Uh, that you then have ten woes, and the tenth and final falls upon Assyria, uh, very much like the ten plagues. And we'll be seeing we'll be seeing Exodus themes all throughout uh, this uh, this section. Uh, but it's very clear you have seven, uh, seven and eight. But uh, prophets and such are known to layer uh, layer these uh, these themes as they they build them. And so. Woe, Assyria, the rod of my anger, the staff in their hands is my fury. Against a godless nation I send him, and against the people of my wrath I command him to take spoil and seize plunder. Maher Shalal Hashbaz, quick to the booty, swift to the plunder. And to tread them down like the mire of the streets, but he does not so intend, and his heart does not so think, but it is in his heart to destroy and to cut off nations, not a few. And so then he goes and shows how he brags uh, and thinks that it's his own power that he does this. And he's boasting uh, in himself, uh, the king of the nation. Uh, But Yahweh is going to bring a judgment upon him. Uh, Just look at verse 12. Uh, When the Lord has finished all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem... He will punish the speech of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the boastful look in his eyes. For he says, by the strength of my hand, I have done it. And by my wisdom, for I have understanding. I remove the boundaries of peoples and plunder their treasures. Like a bull, I bring down those who sit on thrones. My hand has found like a nest the wealth of the peoples, and as one gathers eggs that have been forsaken, so I have gathered all the earth, and there was none that moved a wing or opened his mouth or chirped. So he's king and sovereign over all the world. He's gathered all the nations to himself. And so uh, Yahweh speaks about him, uh, shall the axe boast over him who hews with it. Ultimately, it's Yahweh. Assyria is the instrument of his judgment. God is accomplishing his good and just purpose in bringing judgment, while the Assyrians are fulfilling their evil, wicked desires, just like Joseph's, uh, Joseph's brothers. And so uh, God is going to bring uh, judgment uh, upon them. Let's just read through this section. Shall the oak axe boast over him who hews with it, or the saw magnify itself against him who wields it, as if a rod should wield him who lifts it, or as if a staff should lift him who is not wood? Therefore, uh, the Lord God of hosts will send wasting sickness among his stout warriors, and under his glory a burning will be kindled, 
like the burning of a fire. The light of Israel will become a fire. Yahweh, he's the light of Israel. And his, his holy one, a flame. And it will burn and devour his thorns and briars in one day. The glory of his forest and of his fruit, fruitful land, Yahweh will destroy both soul and body, and it will be as when a sick man wastes away. The remnant of the trees of his forest will be so few that a child can write them down. And so turning with the judgment upon his people, Israel, and then Judah and Jerusalem, but then upon the Assyrians. And the remnant will be so few that a child can write them down. And echoing back, and if, if it's also, I mean, if this is uh, speaking about the Assyrians here, suddenly the remnant language, it could have been language of salvation for Ahaz if he had trusted Yahweh, but it became, it became judgment although he'll still bring salvation. But then with the Assyrians, now there will only be a remnant of them when the angel of Yahweh cuts down, what, 150,000? And so now judgment upon them and salvation for his people, for the remnant of his people. And so, uh, verse 20, In that day the remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will no more lean on him who struck them, so on Assyria, or on Egypt, but will lean on Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. A remnant will return. She'ar Yashuv. She'ar Yashuv, his first son. A remnant shall return. The remnant of Jacob to the mighty God. Same language. To us a, a son is born, to us a child is given. Shall be called wonderful counselor, a wonderful counselor, mighty God. Mighty God, for though your people Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will return. Shar Yeshuv, <laughs> his sons are signs of importance. Uh, destruction is decreed overflowing with righteousness, for the Lord God of hosts will make a full end as decreed in the midst of all the earth. The decree that he gave through his prophet Isaiah. And now here's the heart of the message. Therefore, y'all watch out for those. And exhortations in the prophetic pronouncement to the people, to the city. Attention all parents that are here for curriculum night. The first breakout session should now be underway. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, well, parents, uh, I guess uh, breakout, you know, go to uh, whatever classes you've signed up for. So anyway. Uh, So therefore, here's the message in speaking about this judgment, in speaking about God's arm. It's uh, it's outstretched still in judgment, the woes. Here's the message for the remnant of his people. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, O my people who dwell in Zion, Be not afraid of the Assyrians when they strike with the rod and lift up their staff against you as the Egyptians did. For in a very little while my fury will come to an end and my anger will be directed to their destruction. So do not fear uh, when this comes, when this judgment comes. Do not fear them. 
Yahweh is the one whom you're to fear. He's your trust. He's your, your strength. And pointing to why, what's the motivation for this? For in a very little while, my fury will come to an end and my anger will be directed to their destruction. And Yahweh of hosts will wield against them a whip as when he struck Midian at the rock of Horeb and his staff will be over the sea and he will lift it as he did in Egypt. So looking back to Gideon with the deliverance from the Midianites uh, that Yahweh gave uh, with a very small uh, small army with uh, Gideon as he sent all the soldiers away from the, the Midianites and with Egypt with the staff that uh, he gave to Moses to raise up. And his staff will be over the sea and he will lift it as he did in Egypt. And in that day his burden will depart from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be broken because of the fat. He was speaking about that early in chapter 9. So you see some of these things. You, you, see, you see fulfillment. You see these, these promises that he spoke of, this deliverance. And you'll see it throughout, throughout Isaiah. But the expectations that build are also so great that it expects much, much, much uh, more. In fact, they'll later go into exile into Babylon. And so it's not, it's not uh, the, the everlasting reign that they're hoping for. And then he speaks about uh, the approach of the Assyrians uh, from the, the northern cities coming south on their way to, uh, to Jerusalem. And then look to verse 32. Uh, this very day, uh, king of Assyria, he will halt at Nob. And he will shake his fist at the mount of the daughter of Zion, uh, uh, Jerusalem, uh, around uh, Mount Mount Zion, uh, on which uh, the temple stood, uh, the hill of Jerusalem. Behold, the Lord God of hosts will lop the boughs with terrifying power. The great and height will be hewn down, and the lofty will be brought low. He will cut down the thickets of the forest with an axe, and Lebanon will fall by the majestic one. On Lebanon, this northern country with all their trees, as the Assyrians would come, uh, come south to, uh, to Israel with all these lofty cedars and such, the very picture. And so now his judgment, you see all this language on the remnant of his people that uh, they'll be hewn down, Though a tenth, uh, tenth remain like, like a stump, it will be, it'll be burnt again, and all that will remain is a stump. The holy seed is its stump. Speaking about the remnant, and we've seen them speaking about the remnant uh, within this, uh, this chapter, but now he used the Assyrians to lop down uh, his, his people in their wicked rebellion, and now it, uh, he turns against the Assyrians and it says, uh, verse 33, Behold, the Lord God of hosts will lop down the boughs with terrifying power. The great in height will be hewn down, and the lofty will be brought low. He will cut down the thickets of the forest with an axe, and Lebanon will fall by the majestic one. And Assyria, too, comes under, under judgment of Yahweh of hosts, along with the nations, along with Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah and Jerusalem. And all that remained was Jerusalem. Uh, it's there at the 11th hour that Yahweh saves his people. And now 
from all this destruction, what's left? Will the nation live again? Will the Davidic line, his promises, are they null and void? Will they not continue? No, chapter 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear <coughs> fruit. And the spirit of Yahweh shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of a knowledge and fear of Yahweh, and his delight shall be in the fear of Yahweh. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. Uh, and so here uh, with, uh, with this language, uh, the language <coughs> of a shoot in a branch, and we'll also see, we'll also see a root in a, uh, several several verses uh, later, uh, building sort of a uh, an inclusio, uh, looking to the reign of this Davidic heir, of uh, this greater David, this new David, uh, and we'll also see new creation <coughs> language uh, within this, and then it will also look to Yahweh's deliverance. Uh, secondly, of uh, of the of Israel, uh, of both the, the northern kingdom and the southern, just as with Egypt, uh, we'll see we'll see this new this new greater David language, new creation, and then turn to uh, a new uh, Exodus. And so. Uh, out of the, the remnant, very much, as you can see, a beginning of God's future rule at the beginning of uh, chapter 2. Uh, and then there's kind of the inclusio uh, in chapter, chapter 4, where it looks to the future uh, and a branch going forth and bearing fruit, <coughs> and it being the glory of his, his people. But now this also echoes back to the beginning of chapter 9, uh, and also Yahweh on the throne reigning uh, in chapter 6, where Isaiah was uh, commissioned. And so uh, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of, of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Uh, and so uh, a shoot uh, with the stump, with this judgment that has come, you might think that the Davidic line is done that has been judged, that has been destroyed, uh, the nation is no more. But a shoot, just as it would uh, around a tree, uh, come forth uh, from the, the base. Uh, this is the language that's uh, used for, uh, for a descendants, uh, for uh, rising here. To us, a son is born. To us, a child uh, is, uh, is given. Uh, but here, coming forth from the stump of Jesse uh, is, uh, for instance, I think uh, John Oswald and some other commentators say, just even referring back to Jesse, it looks to the whole Davidic line. It even goes, kind of goes back before David, where here's a new David. Here's a greater David. Uh, greater than even David himself. 
Uh, you see the same language uh, within uh, prophets uh, like uh, Jeremiah uh, as well. Uh, even, for instance, uh, branch language uh, in Isaiah 61, I think you have it with the, the remnant uh, of, of Israel. But in Jeremiah 23, Ezekiel 34, and also Zechariah 3 and uh, chapter 3 and, and 6. So you see uh, the same sort of, sort of language where here, here is a greater David who will live uh, and reign uh, forever. Uh, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit coming forth from this destruction and judgment. And then he says, and the spirit of Yahweh shall rest upon him. And now, uh, the spirit of Yahweh, uh, very much like with, uh, with Moses, uh, or even, even going back to, for instance, uh, Joseph, the spirit of God is upon him. This Where can we find one? Our first 10-minute elective session. You will have five minutes to move to the next session. An announcement will follow to start this second session. Okay. Oh, got that out of the way. And so, even with Joseph, he was one on whom the Spirit of God rested. Uh, and also upon, upon Moses, uh, and when uh, Yahweh had him appoint uh, 70, uh, 70 elders uh, over the people, I think in Numbers I think it was chapter 11. He says, I'll take some of the spirit that's upon you and put it upon them. And they prophesied. Uh, they proclaimed uh, God's mighty deeds uh, and works and his person and his work and word. Uh, and even with uh, Joshua and Caleb, they're the only two uh, to enter the land. Uh, you had the, the spies and 10 of them uh, couldn't, uh, couldn't enter. Uh, you rebelled against me these ten times, he said. Uh, but Caleb, except for Caleb, he'll enter. Uh, and uh, as, for, as for Moses, because he struck the rock twice, even Moses, who knew God face to face, couldn't enter into the promised land. Even though he's a believer, even though God redeems him, he'll be in the kingdom, he could not enter into the promised land. But encourage Joshua, he he shall lead the people and take them in. He even says of, of Joshua and Caleb, a different spirit was upon them. His spirit was upon them. Kept them from, from rebelling against him. Uh, they they were, were believers with circumcised hearts. Uh, and as for your children, whom you said would be uh, a prey in the land, I'll point Joshua, he'll take them in. And so it's, it's all of Yahweh. Uh, and of course, with Saul, uh, David or the spirit of Yahweh was on him for a time, but then he took it away and put an evil spirit upon him. Brought him under evil spirits, uh, very much like uh, Bob has has been speaking about uh, in such when he he brought judgment uh, upon him, kind of like when they give him up and he scatters his people into the nations under the the host of heaven. But here. It's very, David had the spirit upon him, but here you see the sevenfold spirit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So come along. The, the, spirit, the spirit of Yahweh shall rest upon him. The spirit of 
wisdom and understanding. So, spirit of Yahweh, spirit of wisdom and understanding, three. Uh, spirit of counsel and might, four, five. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of Yahweh, six, seven. The fullness of Yahweh's spirit is upon this one. Uh, unlike Ahaz, uh, in the people who were in rebellion and their leaders and shepherds, their judges, their kings, their priests, their prophets, on this one, the fullness of God's spirit rests upon him. And so he's filled with wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of Yahweh. Uh, to reign and to rule and to reign and to rule forever. Mighty God, everlasting Father. Uh, here is uh, the true, ultimate, ideal Davidic king. And his delight shall be in the fear of Yahweh. And there, with uh, spirit, you have spirit four times. Uh, and then, then you have uh, Yahweh uh, a few times as, as well. Again, for, for Yahweh seven times. Talking about his, his fullness resting upon this one. And his delight shall be in the fear of Yahweh. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. And so he doesn't judge by appearance. He shows no partiality. But this one judges with pure and righteous judgment always. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And so, speaking about his very character, uh, is girded with this a belt around his waist. beginning to break out session two. Good opportunity for a drink. Uh, and so here, uh, in in judging the nations, the peoples, uh, bringing, bringing justice, here is the righteous Davidic king. And now we see, go with the, the new David in his reign, we see this new creation language uh, before... Uh, we'll have a inclusio and maybe a chiastic structure, but in in verse ten, where it will turn back to the root of Jesse, framing his whole righteous reign of uh, this new and greater Davidic king. Uh, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. Now, that echoes all the way back to Genesis. And some commentators uh, say, well, is this figurative or, uh, or literal? And literal really has to do with natural use of language uh, in a context in which it, the meaning or the concepts or ideas aren't extended into another domain or area uh, in which they're maybe not, uh, not more naturally or readily used. And so, for instance, even 
let's say if you say that the uh, the uh, peewee uh, peewee hockey team uh, they bulldoze to their opponents. So you take a bulldozer in its natural language use. You speak about bulldozer bulldozing, you know, construction equipment. But when you extend those ideas into another domain where you don't, more naturally or typically have a bulldozer, uh, then, uh, then it becomes figurative, uh, figurative language. And so, yeah, sometimes uh, animals and such uh, can be used, and even throughout this, for, uh, for nations and for peoples and speaking about them like as lions and things like that. Uh, and even in Genesis, uh, where you see the uh, the serpent, uh, the the serpent and the enmity and the conflict uh, between the serpent and his offspring, the offspring of evildoers, uh, and the woman and her offspring, uh, the chosen, believing, righteous offspring of the woman that God preserves, that will culminate in a new humanity with a, a new head. Uh, but uh, and so you, you have some of that language uh, that can look at this conflict between evildoers uh, and between uh, the God's righteous remnant that he pr- preserves. But also uh, in Genesis, of course, if you look after like the flood and such, uh, you see very much with the creation uh, that Yahweh uh, says that if anyone sheds man's blood, whether man or beast, by man shall his blood be shed. Uh, there's conflict within uh, the, the animal kingdom that man was put over uh, in the dominion that he was given. Because he rebelled against God as his steward, as his, his vice regent over the creation, over the animals and beasts of the earth, now the, the, the creation and the animals rebel against him. And everything's in disarray. And you, you see that in Romans chapter 8 and such. And so here you have very much new creation language that Isaiah uh, is drawing upon, looking when, yeah, the nations are going to be subdued. You, you have that, and they'll follow. But so too the whole created order and all of creation. And so uh, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. Ones who would normally, normally be... Uh, uh, pray here now uh, now there, there's there's harmony and peace uh, between them and the animals go back to uh, God gave the humans uh, and the animals initially vegetation to eat uh, not, at, not at first uh, uh, meat uh, they, they weren't uh, carnivorous at first but after the flood he, he commands that uh, Steve Meaning the curse would be lifted at that point. Is that, yeah. Is that what it's implying? Yeah. But it doesn't get into that as far as. Yeah, you're seeing the the removal of the, of the the curse, which would be very clear to, to Isaiah and to his audience, looking back to creation and the curse that came upon the ground, uh, and the serpent and uh, creation, uh, against them, and so here you have new creation language. Uh, in the the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. Leading leading uh, lions and such, uh, the cow and the bear shall graze, and their young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. 
just like at the end of the, the, the creation account where God gave vegetation uh, to man and all the, all the beasts. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not, or might even be, put his hand in the adder's, adder's uh, den, which uh, normally wouldn't be a good thing. Uh, not, not in a cursed, cursed world. You, you don't want to do that. Uh, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of Yahweh as the waters cover the sea. And so the knowledge of Yahweh goes out to his people, to all, all the nations. The nation, a new redeemed humanity, and God's rule is over uh, all of the earth. His, his creation presence in blessing, in provision, in rule over all creation going out from uh, his holy mountain, his temple in Jerusalem. Bob, yeah? Over the years, mm -hmm. I've had people ask, I consider this a millennial kingdom. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> and then, of course, there'll be the eternal order of affairs, but mm -hmm. um, they'll say, well, what about this and what about that? And yeah. You know, there's a passage about keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I think about that. Mm -hmm. Messiah will be literally ruling. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I don't spend a lot of time losing sleep over it mm -hmm. because we won't be confused. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very true. See, once Messiah is here, yeah. we can figure that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because he'll tell us. Yeah. So. Or you think about like sacrifices and such? Well, yeah. they say like Ezekiel's mm -hmm. temple. Yeah. Or why would it be keeping the Feast of Tabernacles yeah. during the millennium? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. I'll ask Jesus when he's here. It's because, because God spoke in, in yeah. Ezekiel and but, said that no, that's what he'd do. Because <laughs> we cannot be confused once Jesus is actually here. Yeah, yeah. Because we can ask him. Yeah. Although God didn't give permission to humans to uh, start eating meat and the animals until after the, uh, the, the flood, uh, after the man, the woman rebelled, the first sacrifice you have is when he clothed them in garments of skin. Uh, and their, uh, their garments wouldn't work for, from them. And so now you have, you have an innocent uh, life or blood that's shed on their, uh, on their behalf. And Israelites would get that very, very clearly. And so you see this, this new creation with the rule, the rule of the ultimate ideal anointed king. And then it, it closes this, this section. In that day, the, the root of Jesse. Now, all of this, it's all parallel language with uh, uh, the, the branch, uh, the, the shoot. It's all parallel language that's uh, often used for the remnant, uh, for, uh, for heirs, for, for the Davidic heirs. Uh, in that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. And elsewhere, it's Yahweh of whom the peoples inquire. And he sets a signal for the peoples. Now, it's the root of Jesse who shall stand as a signal for the peoples. And our second 10 minute elective session. You will have five minutes to, to move to the next session. An announcement will follow to start our third and final session.
And so now he is the signal for the peoples. And they were inquiring of, of Yahweh, uh, like at the beginning of chapter 2 in Isaiah. Now, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Same resting and dwelling place of Yahweh in his presence. All this language, the names, uh, the, the deeds, the works, the honor, it's, it all, it's all the same things that are used for, for Yahweh, Yahweh himself. And now it turns, uh, and so you have in that day, and this is a theme uh, throughout as well. Uh, so we have in that day, and now it turns in verse 11 to Yahweh's redemption of his people, a new exodus, and also drawing again from the, uh, the, the judges and Gideon and all that imagery. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time. So it was extended in judgment before. Now his hand is extended in salvation. And you also have all this remnant language, Sha'ar Yashuv, and you'll see they'll plunder, Maher Shalah Hashbaz, they'll plunder uh, the peoples and the, the nations. And so there's a, a reversal in turn as God brings judgment on the nations and redeems his people. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath. Uh, and those are seven nations there, even drawing back to the table of nations, scattered all across the, the earth because of the curse and judgment that came upon them. He'll gather them and from the coastlands of the sea. He will raise a signal for the nations, and he will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The jealousy of Ephraim, the northern kingdom, shall depart, or the prominent northern tribe representing the kingdom. The jealousy of Ephraim shall depart, and uh, those who harass Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not be jealous of Judah, and Judah shall not harass Ephraim. But they shall swoop down on the shoulder of the Philistines in the west, along the, the foothills out to the, uh, the coast of the Mediterranean. And together they shall plunder the people of the east, and they shall put out their hand against Edom and Moab to the east, and the Ammonites shall obey them. Uh, Ammonites, Moab, those are the sons of Lot, uh, Edom of, of Esau. Uh, all of these people that you find in Genesis and like in Numbers 23, or 23 24 with the, uh, the songs and blessings of Balaam, that God would subdue them under his people and ultimately bring blessing to them uh, through the nation. And so now they're, they're plundering them. And Yahweh will utterly destroy the tongue of the Sea of Egypt and will wave his hand over the river with his scorching breath and strike it into seven channels and he will lead people across in sandals. And so making a way with the channels, uh, with uh, with. Uh, Egypt and, and the, the Nile to bring his people across as on dry land. Uh, all that great remnant, a new exodus. Yeah, Steve? Will there be a future in gathering of all the Jews that are in the mm -hmm. world? Yeah, yeah. All four corners of the earth? Yeah. And, I mean, you, you, have, you have some who gather where you see, like in Zechariah, for instance, uh, in the end times that the world will come against Israel. 
And so there, there has to be uh, enough Israelites in the land and such that, uh, that the, the anointed can return on the Mount of Olives and redeem his people. But I think even with his redemption there, uh, there will still be Jewish people in the world. And any of those remnant who remain, uh, they will be, they'll be brought in by, he even says, like by kings and queens. And uh, they'll be their nursing mothers and fathers. And uh, the people uh, will, will bring them and gather them uh, into, uh, into the land, into uh, the uh, God's uh, heavenly, heavenly kingdom. And then, and so here we, we close this section with this new Davidic ruler, this, this new creation. This announcement serves as the beginning yes. of our final breakout session. In the rule of the, the kingdom. Uh, in, and so this, this, this new glorious king who lives and reigns forever and establishes all of Yahweh's uh, creation, his, his, his presence, uh, his blessing, his provision, his rule, the covenants, everything, all of the blessings uh, in righteousness and promises of salvation forevermore. And then turning to, to Yahweh's deliverance of his people in uh, a new exodus once and for all. And then this finally closes and echoes back to where we had a song of judgment at the beginning of chapter 5. Now we have a song of uh, thanksgiving or a song of uh, salvation to Yahweh for the salvation of his people. Then I just want to read through this and just show you um, just one more quick thing in in Isaiah that you can think about uh, in, in the future. And so... Chapter chapter 12, song of, uh, we have this uh, song of things. You will say in that day, so here, here remnant and believers, uh, you will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Yahweh, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For Yahweh God is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. With joy, or uh, with, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation and you will say in that day, give thanks to Yahweh, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to Yahweh, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. And with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And I have to piece it together. There may even be chiasm in, in here. And they rejected Yahweh at Mount Zion with the waters that flowed gently uh, at Mount Zion uh, in the, the channel there uh, back in uh, chapter, chapter 7 with King Ahaz. But now they have salvation because they trust and hope uh, in their, their God. And then lastly, I just want to 
show you one quick thing. Let's see, if you look in chapter 30 of Isaiah, I want to get to our study on Genesis, but I, I just want to show you that it speaks about Yahweh's uh, deliverance of his, of his people. And all of this, uh, this language, like even of the, the king and such, uh, to see how this draws through, where some things you see, you see a f- fulfillment of these things in Hezekiah's own day, but not the, not the fullness. The expectation is far grander and greater. And so... Uh, chapter 30, verse 26. Uh, and these are dealing with them like trusting in Egypt and such. He's speaking to his people, warning them. Uh, Moreover, the light of the moon will be as uh, the light of the sun, and the light of the sun will be sevenfold, as the light of seven days in the day when the Lord uh, binds up the brokenness of his people and heals the wounds inflicted by his blow. Now listen to this. Verse 27. Uh, behold, the name uh, of Yahweh comes from afar, burning with his anger and in thick rising smoke. His lips are full of fury and his tongue is like a devouring fire. And a lot of that, it's even imagery uh, to like the, uh, the song of Yahweh or Israel in Deuteronomy 32, but even Mount Sinai, he's a consuming fire. His breath is like an overflowing stream that reaches up to the neck to sift the nations with the sieve of destruction and to place on the jaws of the peoples a bridle that leads astray. You shall have a song as in the night when a holy feast is kept in gladness of heart as when one sets out to to the sound of the flute uh, to go to the mountain of Yahweh, uh, to the rock of Israel in Jerusalem where the temple is. And Yahweh will cause his majestic voice to be heard and the descending blow of his arm to be seen in furious anger and a flaming and a flame of devouring fire with a cloudburst and storm and hailstones. The Assyrians will be terror stricken at the voice of Yahweh when he strikes with his rod and every stroke of the appointed staff that Yahweh lays on them will be to the sound of tambourines and lyres Battling with brandished arm, he will fight with them. For a burning place has long been prepared. Indeed, for the king it is made ready. Its pyre uh, made deep and wide with fire and wood in abundance. Uh, The breath of Yahweh, like a stream of sulfur, kindles it. And so you see his judgment, all of this language of theophany uh, in judgment uh, upon them. Uh, even echoing to things that we saw, for instance, in uh, chapter 10 against the, uh, the Assyrians. Uh, and then in uh, 31, let's see, uh, verse, uh, verse 4. Uh, For thus uh, Yahweh said to me, as a lion or a young lion growls over his prey, and when a band of shepherds is called out against him, Uh, He is not terrified, speaking of Yahweh, by their shouting or daunted at their noise. So Yahweh of hosts will come down to fight on Mount Zion and on its hill. Like birds hovering, so Yahweh of hosts will protect Jerusalem. He will protect and deliver it. He will spare and rescue it. 
he will come down on Mount Zion and protect his people. Uh, that sounds very much like in Revelation uh, with uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but finally, look in chapter 37 with the Assyrians who have uh, come against him. And Hezekiah uh, prays to Yahweh has given two signs and trusts. Uh, trust God. Uh, and then, <coughs> we'll just look at these uh, two, two signs for uh, verse uh, 37, verse 30. And this shall be the sign for you to Hezekiah uh, that Yahweh will deliver. Uh, this year you shall eat what grows of itself, and in the second year what springs from that. Then in the third year, sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. God brought judgment on the land. And before the child knows good, good or evil to discern or can say my father and mother, and the judgment came upon, uh, upon uh, Pekah, uh, the son of Remaliah, uh, the king of uh, Israel, and on uh, Rezin of, of Aram Damascus. Now you have this kind of three short year time again. He's going to bring salvation. And the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of Yahweh of hosts will do this. Echoes back again uh, to, his, to Isaiah and his sons. Now listen, verse 33. Uh, let's see. Therefore, uh, thus says uh, the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into the city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return. Sha'ar Yashuv, kind of returning. Now he's, he's going to return. Uh, and he shall not come into this city, uh, declares Yahweh. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And the angel of Yahweh went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose this early in the morning. Curriculum night for parents of incoming sophomores. We thank you for your attendance and look forward to working with your son or daughter next year. Please drive home safely. And again, welcome to EHS. Well, we know that's the last one, but we're also, you know, uh, pretty much done too. So. <laughs> And so, let me just leave it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, verse 36. And so Yahweh is going to do this. He's going to descend on Mount Zion, on his holy hill, and protect his people, destroy the Assyrians. And the angel of Yahweh went out and struck down a hundred, uh, or the, the angel, or Malach, uh, Angelos in Greek, Malach, uh, the messenger, uh, the, the, the servant messenger, of Yahweh, the one who bears his name. Uh, and the angel of Yahweh went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, th uh, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh, uh, the capital. And as he was worshiping uh, in the house of Nisroch, his god, 
Dramalek and Sherezer, his sons, struck him down with the sword, and after they escaped into the land of Ararat, Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his place. And so, in the house of his God, he's struck down. But Hezekiah turns to the prophet Isaiah and goes to the house of the Lord and calls upon the name of Yahweh, and Yahweh comes and strikes down his enemies. And the king of Assyria, the angel of Yahweh, the messenger of Yahweh, who is himself Yahweh, descends on Mount Zion. And it's the, I, I believe, uh, I think clearly from the Old Testament, you have the second person of the, the Trinity. He's going to do it yet again uh, when he, he returns at his second coming uh, in his incarnation as uh, the God-man. And so you see partial fulfillment of these things. Uh, and Hezekiah will receive a, another sign in the next chapter in verse 7 that he'll believe. But then at the end, his life is only extended 15 years. Is that reigning and living forever? Well, God preserves the Davidic line. And, you know, as, as far as human kings go, Hezekiah is pretty good. But, uh, <laughs> but he is a sinner. And then he asks for another sign, probably when he shouldn't have. And then he invited the king of Babylon in. So twi- two times he believes, twice he stumbles, uh, very much like his father David. In 15 years, he does not reign and live forever. And, uh, in fact, his, his sons go into exile. He says, well, uh, you know, uh, the, word, the, the word of Yahweh is good. Uh, there will be peace and safety in my day. But not, not forever. Uh, Yahweh uh, will fulfill these uh, and in uh, the person of Jesus Christ. And so uh, we're, we're out of time. Let's just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and thank you for your prophet Isaiah and just for the richness and height and depth and wisdom of your holy word and that you proclaimed all these things long ago and uh, you showed yourself faithful uh, to to Isaiah, uh, to the remnant who lived in this time of great distress and darkness uh, in the days of Ahaz and Hezekiah. Uh, But you delivered them, um, all those who who trusted in you, uh, on whom uh, you you put your spirit and circumcised their hearts. And uh, we thank you for your redemption. Uh, We thank you for your son. And uh, we thank you. Uh, We thank you, Lord Jesus, that uh, you're the true, uh, ultimate Davidic king, uh, the one to come, the one who lives and reigns forever, uh, who reigns even right now at the right hand of your father uh, on high. And we look forward to that day when you come again and when you will descend on the Mount of Olives and you will redeem your people uh, just as we see here and in the book of Zechariah. And so uh, we thank you for these things and uh, we pray uh, come come quickly, Lord Jesus, and uh, may our hope and trust uh, be in you and you alone. Uh, Amen.